If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Has the sexual intimacy left your relationship and it's leaving you confused and angry and feeling rejected and unwanted? Well, that's a very difficult situation. It's very common in most relationships and The good news is there's a reason why. There's a a common reason. Obviously, there are many little subtleties to all of these things that I talk about. But I'm going to talk about the main reason, the main cause, so that you can get a sense of, man, life makes sense again. Now I know what's going on and what's causing this. It it may not have anything to do with me. And get some skills and tools to be able to navigate it better and at least walk away with an understanding of what's causing it. Because that's the worst place to be in is when we feel that powerlessness of just not understanding why something's happening. So the first thing to recognize is this is very common, all right? Um, It's because every relationship is codependent. It's the only relationship dynamic we've ever been taught. Every movie, TV show, love song, everything we've ever seen of what a relationship should look like is actually codependence. And so both people that join a relationship, the common dynamic is one is either primarily the love addict and one's the love avoidant, all right? It's a spectrum and you can be an addict with your partner and avoidant with your best friend, you know, and people will be further out on one side or the other. But in general, the whole, you know, we always say opposites attract. Well, what that means is love addict, love avoidant. All right. So it's just codependence and the way it gets expressed. All right. So what you're seeing with somebody who has, you know, pulled away sexually is most often um, it has to do with this codependent dynamic and love avoidance. Now there could be trauma histories. Like I said, there's subtleties to all of this, but even that trauma history will create the avoidant. So what's happening is, and, and, and what can be confusing too, is the love avoidant usually starts off the re- relationship hypersexual. It's one of their calling cards. Um, you'll see this a lot of, like you can tell a love avoidant woman on dating profiles because most of their pictures are advertising sex. They're very sultry and seductive and you know, maybe they're scantily clad and most likely they're a love avoidant. That's their calling card. They're sucking you in. They're using their power. And that's the hallmark of the avoidant. They're, they're really not in the relationship. They're actually seeking power. And so men will use it with their money and their intellect and, and their status. Women primarily use it with their sensuality, their sexuality, their looks. All right. And so that's what pulls us in, you know, if it's, uh, you know, whichever side we're looking for is, man, they seem so powerful because women love a powerful man, you know, rich, successful, smart. Um, You know, there's this je ne sais quoi about them, this power that they have and vice versa. Men are, you know, generally highly sexual. And so a woman who's displaying that and just lays it all out there, that's a huge calling card for many men. 
So the question becomes, what creates the love avoidance? Well, childhood, as with everything and um, whatever we do in our life, if we're ever struggling with anything, it all goes back to childhood. Behavioral science has shown that for decades, we become our childhoods. And so if we're struggling with something, that's where it originated. And so this person who became a love avoidant, they were engulfed uh, emotionally or enmeshed with is another term for it. E-N-M-E-S-H-M-E-N-T, enmeshment. They were enmeshed. And so they had a parent or, well, the best way to look at this is, you know, when, when a, you know, the umbilical cord, the umbilical cord is meant to feed the child in an engulfed or enmeshed childhood. It goes in the opposite direction. The mother or father or both sucked the emotional life out of the child. All right. And this is done in many ways. They can be the golden child, the favorite. Most often now, since most people are growing up in divorced homes, they make their child their best friend, their confidant. They share all the intimate details of their life, their sadness, the details of the divorce, you know, their struggles with dating. They're just sharing way, way, way too much personal information with the child. They're connecting with them over emotionally. And you, you see this enmeshment dynamic all over the place when, you, you know, on, on social media, you'll see parents talk about how they need their child. They need them. That is engulfment. That is enmeshment. If you need your child. I was talking to a woman the other day and she talked about, you know, her kids still sleep with her and, and you know, they're of an age where, you know, they're, they're way too advanced to be sleeping with their mother. And, you know, she's like, but as long as they want to hug me, I need those hugs. Whoa. Do you hear that? See, that's a parent who it's about their emotional needs. There's no consideration of the child's needs. You know, now it's appropriate, you know, our young kids to, you know, really bond with them. They need that emotional and, and that physical connection. But the key is the parent is hungry for it. They're desperate. And that's engulfment. That's enmeshment. And the reason a parent does this is because most likely it was done to them. And they don't have the emotional mastery skills to get that with an adult. And so it's a power position. My child depends on me, needs me. It's like having a puppy. You can kick a puppy in the head and it still will come, you know, lay on your feet, you know, cuddle with you and everything. Well, that's honestly how little kids are. They'll do anything to get our attention and give us hugs and all of that. Well, that's not proper parenting. That's not, you know, for, I mean, it's very normal for kids want to hug us. Don't misunderstand me. What I mean is that parents need for it. That's the critical factor. So think through your own parenting. Do you need your children? And most parents do. And most parents will get defensive when I bring this up. No, no, I'm being loving. And that's, that's the enmeshment. Because the, see, to, this is the power dynamic of the love avoidant. To admit they're wrong, they lose power. They can't. They don't want to have an argument. They don't want to talk about things. They just shut down. <clears throat> because that power dynamic, see, if a child is needed that much by a parent, that gives them tremendous power. But on the backside of that, this is the unseen damage. That's horrifically abandoning to them. 
And so the love avoidant who's pulled away the sex in your relationship, they're caught in this double bind. They have a tremendous need for connection because they didn't get it as a child. They were enmeshed and engulfed. That's the underlying abandonment. But they were also raised with this, you know, overbearing power dynamic. And so they're caught. All right. And so what will happen is they will snare you with that power and then they pull the power away because your attempts to connect emotionally or physically, you know, all the elements of intimacy, it's intellect, it's emotion, it's sexual, it's, you know, spiritual intimacy is all of those things. And so our, you know, if, if we're with an avoidant, our need, healthy need to connect that feels suffocating because as a child, they literally lost their life. And so you see this on dating profiles all the time, you know, men and women talking about, yeah, don't, don't suffocate me. Don't text me so much. Well, that, you know, I, they're literally telling me about their childhood and that they were engulfed. And that's why they need so much distance is because they were so smothered. And so any attempts to get close to them, in the beginning, it's fine because they're gaining power from you. You need them, and that's filling them just like as a child. They're getting filled up. Man, I can I can save this person. I can make them anything I want. They'll do anything for me. They need me. They want me. Oh, my God, this is amazing. And then, wham, back door, that suffocation hits, and it overwhelms them. And all of a sudden, they start creating what's called outside intensity. So if you've been abandoned sexually, think about your partner. They will. Uh, these are key characteristics of a love avoidant. It's also called, it used to be called sexual anorexia, but we don't really like it when people call things what they are. And so we create more innocuous terms that sound less offensive. And so they turned it into love avoidance. Um, but it's, it's really an anorexic dynamic because they're starving both themselves and the other person. Okay. So they will always have outside intensity with men. They will primarily be workaholics. They'll have an addiction. They'll have a, you know, an obsession with their hobbies. You know, something is always more important than the relationship. And there are things that are tough to argue with. Like, how can you argue with a man who's working 70 hours a week, provides a great home and life for you as a woman? It's like, God, you know, and he's like, oh, I'm so tired. And, you know, if, if, this is a funny story. It reminds me years ago, Oprah, as a kid, there was a woman on complaining about her husband and, you know, that he'd never have sex. Well, he was a massive love avoidant. He was a rancher and he was this sweet guy, a gorgeous looking guy, cowboy, real, you know, brawny. And he had this great accent and, you know, Oprah, everyone's just all over him. Why won't you have sex? And, you know, he's a rancher and a farmer and he looks at Oprah and he goes, he looks at Oprah and he looks at his wife and he goes, but honey, I'm so tired, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> he's slaving all day out on the ranch. Now, is there a level of, if you're running a ranch, it takes tremendous work? Yes, but he was avoiding intimacy by working, looking for projects outside that he didn't need to take on. And that's, you're seeing more and more women do this. Like it used to be a primarily male. Males were the primary love avoidance. That's not the case anymore. More often than not, women, the new women's movement has created massive love avoidance in women. So they have tons of outside intensity, chasing their work, chasing their hobbies. 
The other thing that this is, you know, you're seeing, you again, women will almost always use their kids as a defense. You know, they'll be the super mom at all their events, taking care of the kids are always the number one focus. Well, that's the engulfment. Now they're enmeshing with their kids, but they can also use it as a defense of, look, I'm taking care of the kids all day. I'm exhausted. I just, I'm not in the mood for sex. And so they don't create any balance in their life to be able to be intimate. And how can you argue with a mother who's so-called devoted to her kids? It's actually a manipulative dynamic. She's using the kids emotionally so that she doesn't have to connect with her husband or partner uh, emotionally. The other thing is women primarily will get sick and hurt. They'll use illness and disease. Now, this triggers everybody. No one likes to hear this. They're like, well, it's not my fault that I got sick and hurt. Well, if you've watched any of my podcasts, you know, Bruce Lipton, I mean, the science is out there. Almost all illness and disease is emotional conditions that surface and that have never been dealt with. There's only three diseases that if you're born with that gene, you have it. But as Bruce Lipton pointed out, um, you know, many years ago, we can be born with cancer. We can be born with all of these certain diseases, but our emotional environment will trigger it. And so almost all illness and disease is actually emotional trauma that hasn't been dealt with. Well, that's part. I mean, look, if you've been engulfed with and enmeshed with and now you're in a, a committed relationship and you'll see this almost all the time, the sex stops as soon as they move in together, as soon as the ring goes on the finger, when the commitment really hits, boom, sick, hurt, overwork, addiction, hobbies, all of a sudden, all the massive outside intensity. You're also seeing this, the, the rise in love avoidance is everyone's addiction to animals. Now, animals are great. They provide us tremendous comfort and support. But most people are having primary relationships with their animals, not with other humans. Because again, it's a one-way situation. That dog or cat always needs us, always wants us, and we don't have to invest. We invest when we want. There's no reciprocation. We get to decide. That's power. And so I've seen this you know, huge push towards animals, and it's breaking my heart because people are losing the ability to connect with each other, and they're using animals instead and avoiding true love and intimacy. So these are the characteristics. Also, you'll see a love avoidant will primarily have a massive connection with their parents. They talk all the time. They text all the time, long conversations over all the time. There's way, way, way too much connection. They're 30, 40 years old. And I, I remember my first wife, when we got married, we we're going to buy a bed. We couldn't buy a bed unless we talked to her parents. Her parents had to approve it. Well, we were almost 30 years old. I'm sorry that we're a married couple. But see, I didn't know about these dynamics and I was a love addict and I got sucked into it, you know, because I was so abandoned. Like, I'll do whatever she wants. Just don't leave me. So I gave her all that power. All right. The other thing you'll find with a love avoidant is they are, you know, because a lot of love avoidants listening to this will go, well, my husband or my wife did this. They're hypercritical. They find fault with everything. They're very accusatory. That's the defense mechanism is they will be up your, you know what, watching everything you do, complaining about it, saying it's wrong always, because if there's a problem now they can say, well, I can't have sex with you. You did this. They're always finding fault with you. Some reason 
because now they can justify their lack of intimacy, their fear of intimacy, their fear of connection. So there are all of these dynamics at play, work, you know, workaholism, addiction, um, they will, men will primarily have sexual affairs outside of the relationship. That's the outside intensity. Women will primarily have emotional affairs. Now, do you see, here's how they keep power. Even if men do this, I have some clients that have done this. They've had emotional affairs outside of the relationship. And that's a sure sign of an avoidant because do you see how this works? With their wife, they won't share intimate details of their life, but they run into a coworker at work and they share everything, but they don't have sex with them. So they're having sex with their wife somewhat. So their wife gets something that the person at work doesn't. And the person at work, you know, I'm sorry, pretends they're a friend, they're not. So they're always in power. Their wife wants the emotional connection, but the husband won't give it. And that's how he keeps his power, but he'll have sex with her. But then with the coworker, the female at work, he just is totally emotionally available, but won't have sex with her because, hey, I don't cheat. So he has power over both. And women do the same thing. Women primarily use emotional affairs, flirting, texting, you know, oh, it's just, it's, it's just a friend. No, it's not. It's, it's emotional intensity outside of the relationship, looking for validation. But I can put a wall up and say, well, I'm dating somebody. This is just for fun. This isn't, you know. So again, workaholism, addiction, um, affairs, um, either physical or non-physical, kids, animals, uh, getting sick and hurt all the time, hypercritical. Um, they find fault and they're accusatory. Those are signs of... Uh, somebody who's a love avoidant, love you know, a sexual anorexic, and again, this is all comes from childhood and how they were suffocated emotionally and made to take care of their parents, one or both parents, emotionally. Now it could come from sexual trauma. There are lots of other things that trigger it, but that's the primary dynamic: is their childhood was stolen from them emotionally, and they have they now really bristle at at any type of connection. They can't do it. They struggle with it. So then what are the solutions? Well, if you're listening to this and you find yourself, oh my God, I think I'm an avoidant. Hire an expert like myself or somebody else. There's a lot of pain there. Two things that need to happen. One, get into reality that your childhood wasn't perfect because the avoidant thinks their childhood was perfect and they're very difficult. That's the other thing. Another key thing about the avoidant who's pulled away intimacy, they will very, very, very rarely ever get help. They'll say they don't need it. It's almost impossible to get them into counseling or coaching or anything. Um, they'll just feel, I don't, they'll find all these reasons and justifications as to why it won't work, everything. Because do you see what they'd have to do to go into, to work with someone like me? They'd have to get vulnerable. They'd have to open up. Well, that's enmeshment. That's what they'd feel like. They'd feel suffocated. No, I can't let somebody know who I really am because look at what happened to me as a child. And so it's, that's another key sign is an, um, uh, an uh, emotional avoidant, a sexual anorexic, sexual avoidant will almost never get in any type of help for it. And they will almost always find excuses as to why they don't need it. Okay. So if you are one of those 
that recognizes that in yourself and you're realizing, man, I need to deal with this. Well, you need to hire an expert because there underneath that is tremendous pain, heartbreaking pain. Um, they've never grieved it because it's a massive abandonment that they went through. And also what's really behind it is rage. I mean, black, red rage. Now they'd say, oh, I'm happy. I'm not, but they're not. And so do you see by withholding its power, what, what's power? It's rage. I need control. I didn't have any. So they need tremendous support and care to work through the grief and the rage that they've never addressed at the massive abandonment they, abandonment they suffered. It takes a, it takes a you know, tremendous amount of courage. Um, I can tell you this, it, it's not as painful as you think. I've wor- I'm, I'm working with and I've worked with lots of avoidance um, and life gets better real quick, real soon. And uh, feels much less scary because that's the other thing about the avoidant. They're not really in touch with their emotions. They think they're fine. Um, and they recognize really quickly how, how not fine they are, but how they start to feel tremendous joy at actually being able to experience feelings. Okay. Now, if you're in a relationship with one, the, the secret for you is stop chasing. This is going to sound very manipulative and, um, I encourage you not to do this in a manipulative way, but it'll be hard not to because if you're the love addict, you were pri- see the avoidant was primarily enmeshed, engulfed, and suffocated. The um, uh, addict was primarily abandoned, and that's why they need sex and they you know they they need that connection so badly, and so they're constantly chasing the avoidant, constantly trying to create manipulative ways to get attention. Um, to talk about the subject, to find a solution there. The beauty is they're very easy to treat because they suffered abandonment. They're like, I'll do anything. I just don't want to feel this anymore. They're much more present. This side of the dynamic, these, the people that generally get into, you know, get coaching or counseling, they're mostly addicts. It's very rare this side. They'll do, they'll do anything. They'll do the work. This side, it's very difficult to get them to do the work. All right. <clears throat> so, but what's causing the part you're playing is because you were abandoned so much, you have made them your higher power. Remember, they want power. And so in the beginning, all the sex was great and it was all there. But you gave them too much time and attention, too much power over your life. Because that's what you had to do as a child. You had to drop yourself and chase the attachment so much that you're constantly relying on somebody else to validate you. And so you make them your God, your higher power. And so your mood is constantly affected by what, whether they're present or not, whether they're participating in the relationship. And so the first step for you is, You need to start learning to care for yourself. And so make a list, self-care, things that you do that bring you joy that don't require somebody else to meet the need for you. Like for me, I go for walks, I lay by my pool, I read, I get a massage, um, I love to shop. These are all things that bring me joy outside of somebody else. I have no requirement on somebody else. 
And so when I personally am feeling that abandonment, that loneliness, that because I suffered horrific abandonment, that I have a whole list of things that I go meet my needs. I learn to love and nurture myself instead of being so dependent on somebody else. All right. So that's the first step. The second thing is get quiet. Quit because we're very, you know, on the, the love addict side, we're very hypervigilant. We notice everything they're doing and not doing, and we're constantly criticizing and critiquing. And so remember the three gets of Al Anon get off their back, get out of their way, get on with your own life. Get off their back means literally get off their back. You're just all up their back, critiquing and watching everything they say and do. Stop. Every time you want to do that, flip into your self care list, go meet your own needs. Make yourself the priority. Quit paying attention to them. Get out of their way. Well, we're also very manipulative in trying to get them to pay attention to us. We're trying to change who they are and demand that they be a different person. Well, that's a choice they get to make, and they may never choose to do that. Well, we have to get out of their way. They get to live as a love avoidant. They get to live as somebody who doesn't want to face their problems, and it's their life. It's not, it's not our place to tell them they should change that. Maybe it works for them. So we need to get out of their way. And again, we need to get on with our own life. And that's meeting our needs and wants, pursuing all those things we gave up because the addict gave up their friends, their family, their hobbies. They did, they moved for them. They do everything just to try and get the avoidant to, to pay attention to them, to have sex with them, have conversations to connect. And so that's the secret is, it's it's deep codependence work, and uh, I would encourage you also to work with someone like myself to help you navigate that because there's tremendous because when we're so focused on them, we're avoiding the deep painful feelings from our own childhood that we've never addressed. All right, and and that's a grief and rage process also that we need support in, and they want the support. The addict wants the support. They want to do that work, and so you probably need somebody to help you through that, someone who can support you as you learn to support yourself. All right. Now watch. If you're not ready to do any of the work, just watch. Just start going quiet. Don't talk as much. Don't text as much. Don't ask for sex. Just get quiet and start pursuing things outside of the relationship. And you will see it won't take long. Boom they'll come running back to you. Here's why. <clears throat> An avoidance primary fear is intimacy. Don't get close to me because I was engulfed and enmeshed as a child. That's conscious. Like, don't demand a lot of me. All right? But subconsciously, their fear is abandonment because while they were given all that false power, nobody was taking care of them. Because if mom and dad make them the best friend and the confidant and, and you know, the, the golden child and all the things that they do, that means nobody's taking care of them as a child. They're being horrifically abandoned because they're taking care of mom and dad. Man, mom and dad must think I'm smart and everything. I'm only 10 years old and they're telling me all this. Wow. Well, as a 10-year-old, your job isn't to take care of mom and dad, cook, clean, do all the different things that avoidance are asked to do as a child. And so that subconscious fear, they feel that horrific abandonment. Well, you as the addict, when you get quiet, when you start, stop chasing and you start to get back into your own life, boom, 
triggers the abandonment and they'll come running back to you. All of a sudden, if it's a woman, she's going to put on the lingerie, dress sexy, you know, all that kind of stuff. The man's going to plan a romantic weekend. They're going to get really open and vulnerable. I'm so sorry. I've been working so much. I'm so sorry. I've spent so much time focusing on the kids, uh, on my hobbies, you know, all the different avoidance techniques. I'm so sorry. I'm going to slow down on my drinking and all the different you know, ways they've avoided the relationship. They'll come back to you and make this declaration. And you're like, oh my God, see, when we're like this, this is when we met. We were perfect. Aren't we great? This is us. And you'll have this brief honeymoon period and you'll drop your walls, be like, oh my God, they're back. And you'll start suffocating again. And boom, they'll wake up the next morning sick. Oh, I have a terrible headache. And now you've got to take care of them all day. They got their power back and they left the relationship. So this is a very deep and complex subject. If any of these symptoms or things are showing up in your relationship, in your life, if you notice yourself or the partners you pick and you'd like to learn more about it, I urge you to reach out to me. Um, this is a very complex dynamic. It's present in every relationship. And if a relationship isn't learning about these things, they're limiting their ability to create love and connection, true love, deep love and connection. So even if your relationship is solid, I urge you to reach out and gain more information because I guarantee when you learn about these dynamics, your relationship will get even more solid. Now, if you find yourself in tremendous pain, recognizing, wow, this is me, then please send me an email, kw at kennyweiss.net. I'll set up a free breakthrough call. We can talk more and I can find your specific situation and give you some deeper tools to help you navigate all of this. So remember, they're not pulling the sex away because of you. They're pulling the sex away because of unhealed pain within them. And that's a solution they get to decide if they want to find on their own. But there's also a choice inside of you. Are you willing to do the work inside of you so that you're not so dependent on them? That's how you get through love avoidance. That's how you get through the withdrawal of sexual intimacy.